I, well, um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get us started up here. I think there might be a few people straggling in lately, but uh, we're kind of, this is kind of a unique event. I think it's the first time that, that I, a representative of the Cuban government has actually entered the Mershon Center, I think, uh, no doubt. <laughs> oh, we have no secrets in the building, so. <laughs> Uh, this is a kind of uh, unique occasion, actually. Uh, I got an email, I don't know what, about two months, a month and a half ago or something like that, saying basically uh, that, that uh, uh, Mr. Bonios would be here and that we should uh, decide to set up a forum. And so what, were we interested? And I said, absolutely, I'd be delighted to create this kind of an event. This is exactly the kind of thing that Mershon Center should be encouraging and facilitating. Uh, there's been, as we all know, uh, kind of, we'll call it a uh, brick wall or something, I don't know, whatever, uh, between the U.S. and uh, Cuba for quite some time, and, uh, and, and a minimal level of dialogue, or, although some ongoing as continuously as there is in these kind of situations. But, but nonetheless, this means that there's very little opportunity for this kind of forum to actually occur where academics, uh, people of the, from the general community and the like actually have an opportunity to meet with and listen to and talk to and raise questions. Uh, so I think it's important for that kind of opportunity and dialogue to actually occur. I mean, the purpose of a center like Mershon is actually to enable and facilitate this kind of uh, discourse and encourage this to actually occur. Um, I'll tell you just a little bit uh, 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 about our speaker here. Uh, uh, he is a, a figure who's been involved with the Cuban government for quite some time. He was part of the original uh, guerrilla army that uh, eventually took over in, in the Cuban Revolution, took over uh, the Cuban government in the late 1950s. Uh, he's been involved in a variety of different posts for quite a while uh, since then, among other things, academically. Uh, he studied political science, international law at the University of Havana, uh, and did postgraduate work in foreign policy at the University of London. Uh, no doubt gave him some insights into at least, we'll call it the Anglo side of the American uh, uh, experience of sorts uh, in that way. Um, he uh, has held a number of diplomatic posts in the government as well as other cabinet and uh, sub-cabinet positions. He's been involved in the National Bank, a member of the National Board of the Union of Banks and Insurance, uh, Vice Minister of the Cuban Foreign Ministry, Ambassador to Poland, Czechoslovakia, uh, the United Kingdom, Brazil, and Mexico, and, and then he's coming to uh, represent uh, the Cuban government with regard to the interest section in Washington, D.C. I should also note, my understanding is that this is the first time that a Cuban government representative has been allowed outside of the district boundaries. Right. Yeah, right. So, so this is another first in that respect. So with that, I think I'll leave it to our speaker, let him uh, talk for a little bit. I actually defined I guess for him the possible topic that we speak upon, but I think it uh, offers us an opportunity to talk a lot about a lot of other issues. So, in any case, thank you, Mike. Thank you very much. I, uh, it's for me an honor to be here at Merchant Center, and it's the first time I I come here, and it's the first time I come to 
Ohio, in particular Ohio State University. I have to tell you that we have spent two days, very profitable two days, working with different school and, of course, having a meeting with the president, Mr. Gee. And from now on, I think that uh, things is going to develop between Ohio State University and the University of Havana. Uh, we will put forward certain initiative, and I think that in March, in April, people from the State University of Ohio will be traveling to Cuba in order to concrete what we have been talking today and yesterday. I just want to to say to do it as I do it when I go to the United Nations to read the paper <laughs> in order to not commit mistake. An ambassador, a diplomat with certain experience, uh, prefer to do that. My the title of, of this uh, conference is U.S.-Cuban relation, a Cuban perspective. Um, saying that I am very glad to be here, very honored to be here, I will say that for more than half a century, the U.S. media has misreported Cuban reality. This has stood in the way of more objective understanding of our reality. No discussion about Cuba is complete without taking into account the history of the Cuba-U.S. relations, including more than 50 years of U.S. sanctions against Cuba, the most restrictive and longest lasting imposed against any nation on earth in contemporary history. While the Cuban Revolution came about during the time of the Cold War, it was not fathered by Moscow. It was generally Cuban, embraced by the Cuban people, deeply rooted in Cuban history. On the other hand, it took place in a specific historical context to a large extent conditioning. Cuba was the last colony of Spain to reach independence after 30 years of fighting. Was the longest quest for a real independence and social justice. The Spanish colonial army was the biggest thing by Spain to South American region. There was no other large Spanish army sent to Latin America. During the war of independence of the South American Republic, there was about 180,000 troops in the different countries, which today is Colombia, Venezuela, Peru, Chile, Argentina. During the independent war of Cuba, which the last 30 years, there was 280,000 soldiers. But the last colony of Spain, the pearl of the, of the crown, 
And besides that was the most important naval fleet which ever has been in Latin America. At the beginning of 1898, Spain was about to lose the war. The majority of the American media and people supported Cuban independence. The U.S. battleship main exploded in the Havana Harbor, and as Joel Quincy Adams said, the fruit was ripe and the United States declared war Spain. The support of the Cuban Liberation Army was decisive for a rapid end of the war. Nevertheless, the U.S. occupation force ignored the Cuban rebel army and the Cuban government in arms, and they dissolved the Cuban Revolutionary Party founded by Jose Martí. The Cubans were later excluded from the talks and the signing of the agreement that ended U.S.-Spanish hostility. In 1902, general elections were held. A constitution had been previously approved and it under coercion, the so-called Platt Amendment has been included. This amendment allowed the United States the right to intervene in Cuba at will and provide for the establishment of two U.S. naval bases in Cuba territory. You, you know Guantanamo Naval Base, which is unique. All the military bases abroad, United States military bases, has an ending program. Uh, ending time. Guantanamo Lama Bay hasn't. An ending time is forever. The both countries have to sit down to negotiate the ending or the continuity, but never has been a discussion to end it. And in order to end it, both countries have to be in agreement. So it's very difficult to finish this naval bay, which is the purpose of the Cuban nation. This is how the youngest Latin American republic had been born, a century after the rest of the southern sister republic of, Latin, of South America. The island, unfortunately, went from a colony to a protectorate as the American governor, Leonard, would say then when he, when he wrote a letter to Teddy Roosevelt. I want to cite, to quote just three lines of this letter. Cuba have national fact, and a thing, and a coat of arm. Yet, it was a protectorate, ultimately, bound to be a new state of the Union. End of the quote. Frustration was the adequate word to express the sentiment of the Cuban patriot and the young generation coming after. 
1933, the situation improved. Dictator Gerardo Machado was overthrown. A provisional revolutionary government came to power, but it lasted only a hundred days. As the United States refused to recognize it, an inside Fulgencio Batista, which at that time was a sergeant of the army, to stage a military coup d'etat. At the same time, naval vessels were stationed on international water in front of the Havana Harbor. The year 1959 brought the victory of the revolution led by Fidel Castro. Cuba was reclaiming its sovereignty, full independence, and structural changes. In May 1959, an agrarian reform law was enacted with a major impact on national and foreign holdings. I have to tell you that the, the first national agrarian reform that we made were less radical than the agrarian reform which made with the Patriots American Founder Founder when they defeat England. And less radical than the agrarian reform which made General MacArthur in Japan. Nevertheless, as every project of reform and agrarian affects national interest and foreign interest. The correlation of national interest and foreign interest was 20% affected Cuban national interest, 80% American national interest regarding land holding. I have to tell you that Cuba went about settling claim with most of the nation whose property were nationalized. I myself participate in the negotiation to compensate UK, to compensate Switzerland, to compensate Swedish. And with the exception of the United States that never wanted, never accepted to sit down to start negotiation. United States unfortunately hostility against the revolution began early. They had tried to stop the revolution from coming to power two weeks before the revolution came to power uh, by means of a coup d'etat that was to install a civilian military government. The coup failed. There was a general strike. The revolutionary men come down to the, to the mountain, occupy the cities, and the coup was defeated. Subversive action against the revolution starting in 1959 came one after another. Cane plantation and sugar factory were set on fire. Attempt and plot to assassinate leaders of the revolution became commonplace. 
viruses and bacteria were introduced against crop and people alike. Raids were conducted against Cuban territory by saboteurs and CIA agents. <coughs> the besieged country has the duty and the right to defend itself. A victorious revolution like Cuba, massively supported by the people and which had fought and defeated Washington, a strong man full hands of Batista, could not go back to business as usual and bury his centennial long quest for sovereignty, independence, and social justice. The time had come for Cuba to be handed over to the Cubans. Since 1966, the United States government put into action, since 1960, put into action comprehensive executive plan of hostility. It was based on three fundamental axes, political isolation, embargo, and military invasion. Along this was the Mangus plan, who was very well known here in the United States and abroad. On April 1960, Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for Western Hemisphere, Lester DeWitt, DeWitt Mallory, wrote a memorandum to the President of the United States that is interesting to read, certain part of it. There is no effective political opposition to the Castro's. The only foreseeable means of alienating internal support, support is through disenchantment and disaffection based on economic dissatisfaction and hardship. Mallory then urged that every possible means should be undertaken promptly to weaken the economy, life of Cuba, denying money and supplies to Cuba, to decrease monetary and real wages, to bring about hunger, desperation, and overthrowing of the government. The, the memo went longer, but I want to just to, to say this, this paragraph. In January 1961, the United States broke relations with Cuba. In April of, of that year, the Bay of Peak invasion was launched with the Cuban people defeated in less than 72 hours. However, a policy aiming of destroying the Cuban revolution continued in place. The next step possible being a, fuel, a full U.S. military invasion. It is under those circumstances that the October 1972 missile crisis took place. Cuba today, Cuba is not isolated. It has diplomatic relations with 188 countries out of 100, 192. Every year, hundreds of high-level delegations visit Cuba. The United States anti-Cuba policy is rejected by the international community including Washington closest 
alliance. Cuba's leading role in the international arena is acknowledged currently. Just last September, Cuba was elected president of the United Nations Disarmament Commission. Cuba is a member of the Economic and Social Council, the group of 77 plus China, and the Human Rights Council. Cuba is ranked first in Latin America in implementation of the United States National Millennium Development Goals. The 2009 Human Development Report of the United Nations placed Cuba as fourth in the list of 32 countries in Latin America in the Latin region. Behind Cuba are Mexico, Brazil, Colombia, Peru, the only three countries which are ahead of Cuba are Costa Rica, Uruguay, and Argentina. The difference between them and Cuba is the they don't have embargo, we have embargo. 36 countries in the world benefit from assistance provided by more than 35,000 Cuban professionals from doctor, teacher, sport, trainees. More than 50,000 students from 126 countries have graduated in Cuba of secondary and university study. At present, right now, there are more than 20,000 foreign students in Cuba school. Out of them, 100 seats are from the United States. They are studying their medicine in the Latin American School of Medicine. Around 3.2 million people in Latin America have learned to read and to write using the Cuban method, yes, I can. Yes, I can, was before Obama campaign. <laughs> <laughs> we supported the African people liberation struggle against colonialism and apartheid. And in Africa, we were supporting one side, and the United States were supporting the other side. We were supporting the liberation movement. Africa was supporting apartheid government. And I'd like to take the opportunity to quote Nelson Mandela. The first country which Nelson Mandela visited when he was elected president was Cuba. He made a speech at the university, and he said many things. But I want to underscore this one. Many countries helped defeat apartheid in South Africa and Namibia. But one nation did it highly because it shed it blows it blood with us. That country is Cuba. He repeated that speech in the United Nations. I was there. President Clinton was there. And when he mentioned this paragraph, everybody applauded, even President Clinton. Now U.S. relations. After more than half a century and 11 administrations, and despite the image of flexibility that the current U.S. government seeks to portray, the core of the U.S. policy toward Cuba remains unchanged. This means 
in its objective and in its failure. There is no change in the objective and there is no change in its failure. I cannot foretell when this story of the failed U.S. policy toward Cuba will come to an end. What I can say is that every time there are more Americans who do not agree with it and are aware that it must be eliminated, they have come to the conclusion that the embargo has hurt profoundly and unjustly not only the three generations of Cuba, but that is that it has also affected USA. The USA Travel Asian Society, uh, Agency Society say that if the current travel restriction against Cuba were lifted, nearly 1.1 million Americans will visit our country in the first year. You, as a citizen of the United States, can travel to Iran. Even right now, where the nuclear issue is discussed, just like that. You can travel to North Korea. Uh, you can travel to Vietnam, to Sudan, to even to Syria. But you cannot travel freely to Cuba. You have to submit to certain restrictions. Fortunately, the university can now travel to was suspended, but now can travel to Cuba. People can travel to Cuba under certain circumstances, according with the people-to-people -people policy of the President Barack Obama. According with the Travel Agency Association, 1.8 million and 2 million the second year, we provide 50,000 new jobs to the United States, disregarding more planes going to Cuba, more airport going to Cuba, etc. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce went to the Congress last year, at the beginning of the year, and put the cost of the U.S. economy to $1.2 billion a year in loss alone of export. But the U.S. National Association of Retired Ambassadors estimate that the annual cost of the embargo exceeds the $4 billion. If we multiply such figure by 52 years, which is how long the embargo has lasted, they will increase in $200 billion. This is no insignificant figure for any country no matter how powerful it might be. For two decades now, year after year, the issue of the U.S. blockade or embargo against Cuba has been discussed at the United Nations. Last September, last October, 187 countries out of 192 voted against the embargo for 20, for 20 years. I can say that in the whole history of the United Nations, which started in 1945, the blockade of the embargo against Cuba is the single issue that has resulted in total isolation 
of the United States vis-a-vis -vis the rest of the United Nations members. That is a fact. Another fact, among the issues more advocated, more discussed in United Nations, out of 10, number five is the Cuba embargo. Last year, this year, 32 heads of state went to, United, to, the, uh, to the podium in the United uh, Nations Assembly to claim for the review or the elimination of the blockade of Cuba. Among them, not only African countries, no Asian countries, European countries. Beyond the severe economic and material costs, there are also moral costs for Cuba and moral costs for, for the United States. And I wonder what's been for good is what he been I and I wonder what has it been for good. My opinion has been good for nothing. Then it is so un-American to keep a policy in place that has not worked for more than half a century. And that is hurting Cuban United States as well. That policy, my friend, could be defined in many ways, one of which is insanity. My friend, the revolution still stands. Three generations of Cubans implement it and renew it. That is the reason why it has resisted. Others did not resist because they did not change or they stagnate or they deviate. Cuba is resolutely changing what must be changed within the revolution or within our socialism. The recent Congress of the Communist Party discussed, analyzed, and approved the final draft of the guideline on economic and social policy, aiming at updating the Cuban economy model, guaranteeing the continuity of socialist economic development and improving the living standard of the Cuban people. I would like to underscore that the affirmation guidelines were discussed by more than nine million citizens in Havana or along the island. Nine million citizens who made proposals for change or addition. More than 300,000 proposals were made. What may in the economic and social guidelines were reformulated based on, that, on, on, on the proposal made by the cities. The Cuban economic system will continue to be based on the people ownership over the fundamental means of production. Likewise, the guideline and we say greater autonomy on the part of the state-run enterprise and the development of other forms of management. Market, we will have a place in Cuba economy. In addition to the 
socialist state-run enterprise, which will be continued to be a main economic structure. The Cuban model will also recognize and promote, promote other modalities, namely foreign investment, production and services, cooperative of production, cooperatives of services, granting land in usufruct to small farmers and medium farmers, self-employment, and other forms that might emerge and contribute to increase labor efficiency. We have delivered one million hectare to 100,000 persons, and we are about to deliver two million hectares of land to 200,000 persons. They in also fruit. They will have the capacity to explore those land for 20 years, 25 years, and to resign the usufruct tenant of that land if they are productive. They will have to pay taxes. In Cuba, for the first tax, for the first time, taxes has to be paid. I remember that in 1990, no, in 2002, we were making some reform. We introduced tax, but we have to discuss this with the people. And the people, the 90% of the people say, no, in socialism you don't pay tax. And we have to backtrack <laughs> and not to put into effect tax collection. My friend, Cuba is a country linked by geography to the United States. Cuba is the only 90 mile away. Cuba is only 90 mile away from U.S. Probably, there is no other Latin American country with closer historical and cultural link with the United States than Cuba. I am talking about the region. Cuba has never been at war with the United States. It has been acknowledged that Cuba does not pose any threat again, the security of the United States. The day the restrictions on travel to Cuba by U.S. citizens are listed, you will realize that the Cuban people do not have ill feeling toward the U.S. people. Those Cubans who are here, who has been traveling, those Americans who are here, who has been the opportunity to travel to Cuba can confirm that. For us, Americans are no enemy. Americans are neighbors. We like sport, we, we share the same form for sport, for music, for, for history. It's impossible to write the Cuban history without dedicate, advocate three or four charters to American history. And it's impossible also, if you want to be a, comp a historian, to write the history of the United States without including the participation of the Cuban in the independence war. At that time, there were no Cubans because we were under Spain rule. They have no Cuban citizens. Just in the Pensacola ba battle, uh, with the general Cajigal uh, was, the, was the, the leader of the battle against the British, Cajigal was a Cuban. And 4,000 Cubans fought in that battle. 
de batallón de Habana, de batallón de Santiago, de batallón de Matanza. 4,000 kilos. Miralles, who was a Cuban, wealthy Cuban, who was uh, under instruction in Spain. Spain at that time was supported, or, uh, like France, was supporting the, the patriots, the American patriots, because rivality between Spain and UK. And Spain wanted to preserve, after the independence, the Florida. And France wanted to preserve, after independence, Louisiana and all the territory. So they, the, the explanation of Lafayette here has to, has this background. Uh, the explanation of Cajigal in Pensacola has this background. But Miralle was the man which was responsible to collect money in Cuba to support Mr. Murray, who was the financier of the Patriot. And he collected in the moment more difficult, finance moment of the Patriot, more than $5 million in gold. He was very close friend of George Washington. He went ill, very bad ill, and he and George Washington asked him to come to his house, and he died in George Washington's house. George Washington made a speech during his burial, and the speech is, uh, I found the speech, the full text of the speech. And he said that there was a Cuban, which the United States will never forget. There was a citizen who has been in Cuba that the United States will never forget. For the, all the reasons mentioned about, and for much more, we Cuban hope that both countries, regardless <coughs> of the political and ideological differences, can live in peace as good neighbor based on mutual respect for each country, sovereignty, and self-determination. Self-determination. Each country has the right to self-determination, and this is something sacred regarding international law. In this regard, President Raul Castro has reiterated several times that Cuba's willingness to have a respectful dialogue with the United States based on an agenda that will include all issues from one side and another, no conditions at all. The only condition is both countries have to respect each other. Respect of each other means peace. Respect of this audience being a new start. Thank you very much. Well, Ave Cesar Moremotur te salutu. I am ready to die. <laughs> Any question? Please.
Yeah, well, we have um, a constitution with uh, in force. Constitution was approved in 1975, and this constitution established uh, election every five years, but we have only one party. And this, uh, we have a council of, of, of state, which is the council of states, the people who, who, the supreme political court in Cuba. We have the council of ministers um, in, regarding the executive branch, and we have the parliament. The parliament is, is uh, integrated by 435 Cubans elected every five years. Election in Cuba is not on the party condition. Parties are not obliged and are prohibited to propose candidates. We, the, when the election period comes, it's like the by-election here, but like the primary here, people gather in different neighborhoods and propose Bolaños. I put my example because I, every time I had been proposed, I never, I, I fail. I love, <laughs> because they say that diplomats are no good MP, no, 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 no good representative, but always abroad, and they know more than of the world than to Cuba. So I have been proposed three times, and three times has been defeated. The other problem we have that is very difficult to defeat a doctor particular familiar doctor, because the doctor, the familiar doctor is the doctor who look after for the neighborhood and are very popular in the neighborhood. Everybody is grateful to the doctor. So if I propose uh, per tierra and there is other one propose a doctor, doctor will be elected. So that is the reason why there is so many doctors, member of uh, Congress. Um, the other thing which is difficult to defeat are women. Women are very strong, particularly in the last 10 years. Right now, the 37% of our Congress are Congress women. And they are coming for more space. So has, this is the situation. Proposal, uh, the circumscription is created by, by five neighborhoods, and then those who have been elected in, in each neighborhood, they go to a general election for the circumscription. Those who have more than 50% is elected. If they are neck to neck or even, they have to go another election. This is how we, we decide our our system electoral. It's a mixture of parliamentary system because all the ministry has to be approved by the parliament. All the ambassador has to be approved by the ambassador. All the president, the council of state has to be approved by the parliament. And the council of state elect the president of the council of state, which is now Raul Castro. This is more or less how operate. I have to tell you that we're trying to recreate with the single party the, the, the idea of Martí. Martí, when he was preparing for the war against Spain, he created a party, a single party, with all the Cubans who want independence could be member of that party. 
He said that in order to face the war, we have to, to have a single party. You cannot have several parties to do the war, just single party. And we are not in war, but we have to defend ourselves because there has been hostile policy from the United States since the beginning of the revolution. And we are in a position of difficulty, not with Honduras, not with Salvador, with the fair power of the world. Someday will be a book written how Cuba survived. Um, I would provide the answer. Cuba survived because we had the support of the people. Because Cuba has no foreign troops in our territory. We not depend in order to survive from foreign troops. We, we depend on, on the people. So this is how we uh, make politics in Cuba. Well, upon Obama, I have uh, more often contact with the administration, and this contact is up to assistant undersecretary or undersecretary for uh, Western Hemisphere. Another question? Yes. Well, well, you you make a good point. <laughs> Unfortunately, the assembly has no mandatory power. Just the council of the security council has the mandatory power. That is the undemocratic feature of United Nations. The majority of the United Nations cannot decide what to do. It has to be decided the, um, first by the Security Council. But nevertheless, it's important to show to the world what happened with U.S.-Cuban relations, how the community considered or faced the embargo to white Cuba. It's important for us. It's important for our people. Every day that there is election in, in, in the United Nations, every, every Cuban are pending of the radio or television looking uh, what is going on in the United Nations. When the vote is elevated, the production increases. People work more. And, and this, it is very interesting to be there in the United Nations and watch what is happening when the Blackboard uh, display the, the victory screen. First, the applause. Overwhelming applause. Everybody applauded. Second, the line to greet the Cuban delegation. Sometimes the line takes 30 minutes, 35 minutes, because everyone wants to come to greet the Cuban delegation. And that happened every year. <laughs> and nothing happened. It do not represent any concretion, but, but it's important. From the moral point of view, a spiritual point of view, I think it's very important. 
And, and it's also important for the Amer American delegation, which is there observing how things develop. Yes. Oh, that is, that is the problem. And uh, um, you are right. You are right. And the majority of those people have suffered the embargo because the embargo has a, a extraterritorial phase. Canada, two, two months ago, suffered a fine from the United States for a or $200 million because he provides some uh, medicine to purify the water for, the, for Cuba. The water that we drink in Cuba, we bought those pills, chlor pills, and they were, uh, they belong to the United States, the, the, the patent to the United States. So they violate that, and they have to pay $200 million. And the Grand Swiss Bank, they have to pay no 100, 300 million dollars. Because he used to take our dollar we get from the tourists and change it in another currency. And we are unable to, to have dollar. We cannot use the dollar as a currency. We diplomats here are allowed to do it. But besides us, no other body can use the dollar. If they use the dollar, they lost the dollar. You mentioned um, increasing foreign investment under these new changes. Yes. Um, how will Cuba protect its sovereignty uh, against uh, threats from economic uh, domination, from transnational corporations and so forth? Well, we, uh, we have a set a condition for foreign investment. First, the foreign investment has to be productive for Cuba, has to, to bring technology to Cuba, has to guarantee export for Cuba. And besides that, you can get only 50% of the property. We keep that other 50%. Uh, if there is a company who wants to invest in, in, in a mine in Cuba, they, they have to get 50%, and they will share their profit, and, they, and we will keep the whole because the whole went <laughs> to the market, and we keep the 50% and the whole in the mountain. But there is also certain exception. When there is an important investment that we need it desperately, they can go beyond 50%. We have investment of 100%, but just a few. Yes. Uh, when you ask the State Department to lift the embargo, what answers do they give you for why they don't do it? They say this is a bilateral problem, not a multilateral one. And that has to be discussed each country, but the problem is that they don't want to discuss up to now. I have the feeling, I have the feeling that the majority of the people only the United States, but in the State Department, consider that the embargo is, uh, is something which is uh, not working. It is a failure. 
I don't worry support. I have it even. Nobody told me. But uh, all the ambassador who, American ambassador who has been retired, they say that to me. And I think that is true. Because in, in the foreign minister, the State Department, what people, honestly, they have to. Yes. Well, the policy change, I, I can tell you, because 14 people in day date are stuck stopping any change. And the, and the most interesting thing for you as a historian, academician, is that the foreign policy of the United States toward Cuba do not represent the interest of the whole United States, just a micro piece of county in Miami. That is something that nobody believes. But when you explain, they say, oh, you are right. You are right. It is a policy which is not serving the best interests of the United States. Um, you, could you imagine I came to Ohio? I was kindly invited by the University State of Ohio. I had a tremendous good visit. We talked at Sibilisai person. I have a charming talk with the president of the Ohio State University with people from the law firm, with people from every sector of the Ohio society. They all were claiming, why don't we have elections? They say, you have to add Miami. Why Miami? <laughs> well, they are addressing, controlling the policy of the United States for 52 years, more than half a century. A policy that has failed, completely failed who has no prestige in the community, international community. If you ask, for instance, the think tanker in Washington, 90%, well, 10%, the only heritage foundation which is in disagreement. But all foundations are in favor of listing embargo, and they wrote a write, are writing and wrote an interesting paper about that. Please. Number of 
Yes. Well, we have um, <coughs> to make a little hi a little history. Uh, up to 1990, we have uh, the majority of our economic relation was with the socialist camp. When the socialist camp went down, we decided to disperse and spread our economic relation. And since then, we have been trying to put 30%, 30%, and 30%, which is not easy. But today, Latin American chair 41% of our economic relation. Um, Asia, including China, share about 28%, Europe about 30%, and so forth, and the rest of the world. With Latin America, who has excellent relations with all the countries. Uh, we are member of ALBA, which is uh, an organization which include Venezuela, include uh, Ecuador, uh, Bolivia, Paraguay, and also certain Caribbean states like San Vicente, Granadina, Antigua, Barbuda. And we have a special trade benefited by new rule of trade. Each one earn money, but do not mm, do not earn excessive money. And the one who has made more facilitate credit to the to the one who has less. So it's a modern form of association with, well, let me tell you, without the Cari uh, Petrol, there was no Jamaica, there was not a small country because when the oil price went up, I was in Jamaica discussing with the prime minister and he told me, Ambassador, if I had to pay the price of petrol, uh, this, this country will disintegrate because the, the, the bill of petrol only took the 87% of the, of the income of the whole state. So they came, Alba, 
Λεκέτ Πετροκαρίβε, Σάβε Γκίφ, Γκουτ Πράσες και Κρέδιτ. And those small islands have been surviving. But we have also political relations, excellent political relations with all the countries, with Argentina, with Paraguay, uh, with uh, Ecuador, with Chile, with Venezuela, a very strong relation with Bolivia, um, Colombia. That is no exception, no, no Central American exception also. We have provided doctors uh, training. I, I mentioned that uh, 36,000 doctors are registered in, in Latin America. In Haiti, we have 800,000, 800 doctors. We have more Cuban doctors in, in Haiti than Haitian doctors, because they have doctors. But they, 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 they went abroad because they have no job. The 800 doctors, we pay for that. Um, and you know, this is a Latin American country. And this Latin American country is down in the hole. And I think we have the responsibility, the other Latin American country, to lift up this country from the hole. Because this country was the first country who show what independence is. Before the United States, they came independent. And all the patriots, at least all the patriots for Latin America, went for refuge, for weapon, and for money to Haiti. And Haiti support with his, within the, his poverty, the liberation of all Latin American countries and the liberation of Cuba. Martí went to to Haiti for help. Maceo went to Haiti for help. When Bolivar went to, to Haiti for money and for weapons, the president of Southern Liberty told Bolivar, the only thing I want you to do is to liberate the slave. Unfortunately, he liberated the country but not the slave. The, olig the olig oligarchic people from who were patriots also, were against. The same happened to Jefferson. Jefferson couldn't declare off the slavery because interest. Um, but the relation, when there was the Trinidad summit in Trinidad, all the president of Latin America, talk Obama, Obama, please. Get rid of the embargo. For us, the embargo is a problem because Cuba is a broader country. But Cuba, we want to have good relations with Cuba, and we want to have good relations with the United States. And this these two positions conflict us. There was no single president which accepted himself to talk about Cuba. So we have excellent. We, we send trainees for the sport, um, and now we are losing in boxing because they are doing better than us because of our trainees. And in, in baseball also, now the Venezuelan is, has a lot of baseball players in major league, um, but that doesn't, we don't care about that. We want they to progress also. 
But we are thinking about that. <laughs> the other day, I, there was a, a Pan-American Games in, in, in Jalisco, Mexico. And there was the, the Mexican boxer boxing with the Cuban boxer. And the, the, the fight was very tough, very even. And I said, well, what happened? What happened with the Cuban boxer? What, he's very good and he's not winning. And I looked at the corner, and the corner was Cartaya, the best Cuban tra trainer. He was training the, <laughs> the Mexican boxer. <laughs> So for the first time, I have doubt about the solidarity we have with Latin America. <laughs> well, I, I am worried about that. <laughs> Any other question? Yes. Mm. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank A lot of opportunity. First one, oil. We are start drilling for oil in December. Um, American companies are prohibited, forbidden to to drill for oil, not because Cuba, because the embargo. I remember when we decided to open our market for oil. We decided at the same time to invite American oil company, the Seven Sisters. And we received no reply. Well, one of them replied, say, we want to be there, but the embargo prohibits us to do that. But you can uh, invest in tourism. Cuba has the highest rate of increasing tourism, despite we have no the big market of Latin America. The big market of Latin America is the United States. Despite we have no the United States market, we have the, the European market, we had the Asian, the Chinese are starting to come to Cuba. You could imagine how many Chinese. <laughs> it's impossible. The, the island we went down. <laughs> it's billions of, of, of Chinese go to Cuba. So there are industries who are very profitable, are, are, are growing very fast. We have the highest rate of, of growing in tourism. But uh, housing, we have to build a lot of housing. This is a problem we have. This is a problem we have in Cuba. Um, uh, miners, mining, mining. There is mine that we have not been exploited yet in Cuba. Nickel, for instance. The mountain of nickel is still unexploded in Cuba. Transport, infrastructure, docks. Everything has to be refinery for oil. There is a list of that will be interesting for any country, not only United States, for any country. But I think the United States will be more profitable because we are neighbor. So, opportunity has, uh, it's great. 
but you need to eliminate embargo. Once the embargo is eliminated, business with Cuba is going to be a big a bricks and it's, and we never will come back at the situation we had when we had trade with the United States eighty five percent was just with the United States or when we have trade with socialist country ninety or percent was with the socialist country. no we are going to spread our trade but nevertheless the big piece of the cake we come to the United States because the neighborhood, because the quality of the product of the United States, because technology of the United States is, is superb. We, we, we are not, uh, we know that. And, and, and you can import Cuban products. We are producing vaccine. We are unique. And the United States cannot benefit from that. We didn't choose with lung cancer. We have the vaccine with lung cancer which do not eradicate the tumor, but this uh, prolong the life of the, of the people which is ill and the quality of life. And this vaccine is already in operation in Canada, in Italy, in China, in Africa, United States, you can have it. We have uh, medicine for leg ulcer. In Cuba, nobody is amputated. Nobody with diabetes has to be amputated. Because we have uh, a product which uh, solves this problem. 80% uh, with effectiveness, 80%. And if you are young, it's 99%. So, uh, cigars. We produce the best cigar of the world. We export cigar to Europe. We export cigar to to Africa. And but we have a, a bigger production in the world market. Rum. But we cannot export rum here because of Bacardi. The big market of rum is United States. The second market is Europe. But the uh, Spain and Germany, but the huge market is United States, and we produce the best because Bacardi is not the best. Was the best when he was in Cuba, but not now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the uh, Scotch. The British want to produce Scotch, but it's not. They don't succeed. It's the problem of the water. It's the problem of the soil. It's the problem of the weather. Uh, if you go to Great Britain, I will suggest you not to buy British whiskey. Stick to scotch. <laughs> well, any other question? Well, thank you very much. I am living now for Youngstown. I can tell you that I spent two days working too hard. <laughs> they explode me. I said, you were a working class. But I enjoy my trip to Ohio, my stay in Ohio. And just as I was telling my friend that they have committed a big mistake, invite me to Ohio, because I like Ohio. I'm going to be here very often.
けどね。